Hey everybody, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio. Uh, we're doing a different kind of show this week. We're doing an old school three guys on the line conversation show. Uh, with me are Chris McShane. Say hi, Chris. Hi. And Aaron York making his Amazing Avenue Audio in studio, or I guess this is really in studio, making his, his live chat debut. Uh, we can pretend we're in the studio. We can, yeah. Look at yeah. all this wonderful artwork on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do have a lot of good artwork on the walls. So there you go. It's uh, it's all concert posters. I have um, four guitars on my walls. That's that's pretty good art, right? Nice. I've been thinking of opening a gallery. Uh, <laughs> there's more art that I don't have on the walls than I do. So yeah. Look at this. We're launching a second career right yeah. in front of your eyes. Yeah. Or, or ears, I suppose. But anyway, we're here to talk about the Mets. It's been incredibly quiet because it's the week between Christmas and New Year's and baseball somewhat shuts down. But we have a little bit of news to talk about. Uh, last week, I guess it was maybe even two weeks ago at this point, uh, Jerry's Familia was in court for the second time for his domestic violence uh, charge. The charge was dropped. He did not have any legal ramifications to his um, domestic violence incident. However, it is still believed that Major League Baseball will suspend him upwards of 30 games for the um, transgression, which is a very light way to put a terrible, terrible thing that happened. Um, What do you guys think about this? Is, Is this at all unexpected, or is this pretty much exactly as you expected this to play out? Uh, No. Or yes is really the answer to the question specifically. But, yeah, no, it's not surprising. You know, we've talked about a decent amount over the past few months, really, at this point. Uh, You know, what he he was accused of and kind of how we thought it would end up going. Uh, You know, I, I still don't think he's going to walk away with no suspension. And... You know, I think the dismissal here is not out of character with what you would typically see or often see in a similar kind of situation. So, you know, it, it's it's not surprising. It doesn't really resolve it more. You know, it's still it's still there, right? You know, it, it's. Uh, each of these athletes who's had this happen and and no that's a bad phrase who who's gone through this because of things they've allegedly done is more the phrase that I was looking for there but e- each of them has had the legal end of it you know dismissed in a different way or at a different time you know they've all kind of wound up there uh in, in unique ways but <clears throat> They've all gotten to that same endpoint, so you know it's still it's still something that you're gonna feel if you cared about this at all. It's something you're going to feel and think about uh, at least in the back of your mind when he's coming out and you know making appearances for the Mets next year. Yeah, I didn't really go into this the. Lot of expectations. As soon as you heard the news come out that there was an allegation that this happened, that you, you figured he would be suspended, 
It's probably going to be around 30 days based on what we've seen in the past. And, and you can't really blame baseball because of how terrible the allegation is. Domestic violence is really bad. Baseball is not going to care if he, if he got charged or not, or the, if the charges were dismissed, like we saw they were, they're going to lay down the law because of the image that they want to put forth. And whether that's fair or not, doesn't matter. The fact is, like Chris said, fans are going to think what they want to think. And from a baseball perspective, the Mets are going to have to rely on the deeper parts of their bullpen for about a month. And, and it also probably eliminates him from pitching for the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic. So fans won't get to see him play against the rest of the world. But you just have to hope from a, from a personal standpoint and for him that that him and his significant other are able to move past this and have like a, a good relationship because obviously this is, you know, would be really damaging to that. And just that he's able to, to be a better person in the future and that it's, it hopefully wasn't as bad of an incident as we can imagine, but regardless it's bad. We're hoping that everyone is able to be a better person from now on and that the uh, Mets and Familia will work together and and help make this team another a postseason team again. So it stinks uh, that it happened, but everyone's got to move forward and pass the suspension and be better. So that's all I have to say. I have sort of a an odd follow-up to what you guys said. We saw a, a similar version of this last season when the Mets acquired Jose Reyes after his suspension for domestic violence ended. And there was a, a rather large portion of the fan base, uh, of which I will count myself a part of, which was uncomfortable with the idea of, of Reyes coming back initially, because of the domestic violence allegation. There was another part of the fan base that was chanting Jose one game into his return. Do you think that there will be similar division over how to react to Familia? Or because Familia is less beloved in New York than Reyes is, will that mean that people are going to be unfairly harsher on him than they were Reyes for doing, you know, essentially the same thing? Or uh, or sort of in addition to that, do you think that because the sort of, and I, I'm not trying to disparage a type of Mets fan here, but, you know, the guys that were chanting Jose, Jose, Jose were not, in my opinion, the most intellectual Mets fans. And, you know, the, the sort of, the fan that really appreciates what Familia does tends to not be the type of fan who's calling into WFAN and who's, um, you know, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that the Reyes apologists and the Familia fans overlap very much in the Venn diagram. So do you think that Familia's response 
when he walks out on that field the first time or the first 10 times will be any different than Reyes's was? I think he's going to get cheered just because he's been, you know, he'll, he'll have been gone for a while. It'll probably be sometime in May and fans are going to, and fans are going to miss him. And I don't have a problem with fans just cheering for, for laundry and you, we can't control what these players do. And if they want to cheer him, they'll cheer him. If, if they, want to boo him because of something that happened in his personal life that's really bad, then they could do that too. It, fans are going to be fans, and there's no right or wrong way to to approach it. So I think the response is going to be positive because Reyes's was mostly positive. And although with Reyes, part of it was just seeing him and had that jersey again. He was not a member of the Mets when his incident occurred. So it was at least from a perspective from the fans it looked more like he was getting a fresh start he was back in the number seven jersey again he was a met again so symbolically more of a fresh start maybe made it more appropriate in the media's eyes to cheer him but for familia what he he's always been a met so maybe this incident hurts him more in the eyes of fans but from a baseball perspective, strictly from a baseball perspective, he's going to be a guy who should help the team in 2017. So, and just because he's going to be out for a while, any anytime someone's out, whether it be for injury or whether it be for something like this, when they come back, they're usually cheered. So I think that's what's going to happen. And if some people aren't, aren't comfortable with that, that's fine. But if fans want to cheer him, that's okay too. It's, it's really up to them. They had no part in what he did, and they shouldn't necess- They shouldn't feel guilty about it. If they 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 want to see the Mets win, and he's going to help them do that, then and they cheer him. That's that's fine. It's funny, um, <clears throat> specifically with the domestic violence. I think it ha- it will have happened long ago, uh, lo- long enough ago that. Uh, It'll be sort of a distant memory from, you know, a certain fan perspective. But the wild card game will be super fresh in everybody's mind. (laughs) Right. You know, even though they happened in reverse order uh, going back in time, I think that would be the thing that would lead people, you know, I, the people will be reminded about it, assuming still that he gets suspended. People will rem, be reminded of why that is. And, you know, it'll be discussed certainly when he's gone and then when he comes back. But, yeah, I, I tend to think that how people react is going to be based on, you know, if he gives up a run and that first time he's back on the mound – uh, that will be the thing that drives the reaction. So, yeah, I, I agree. So, yeah, it's, you know, the, the the Mets could have played their most recent game a year and a half ago, and that memory will still be fresher in everybody's mind than anything else. Um, yeah. I, I mean, as we've said on here before, you know, the for me, it's like you go into the season and you have two players on the roster now that have gone 
and and gotten themselves into situations that have resulted in suspensions. Uh, you know, you, you'd like to uh, think that it would go in the other direction, <laughs> not not more, but less. But uh, but yeah, it's weird. So I, I I certainly get Aaron's point. You know the. Uh, going back to the Jerry Seinfeld laundry and everything. And, you know, I'm not, that's not quite where I am. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I know that most Mets fans probably approach it that way. Most sports fans in general, not just Mets fans, but, but yeah, I, I think the reception will be entirely based on how that first inning goes, uh, whenever it is. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think, I think, I think there are there are more people who have Chris's viewpoint than he's saying that there are. I don't think. Like, I'm pretty. I'm. I, I feel like I'm. A, I'm pretty extreme on the side of like I don't care what these guys do. I don't. I'm not going to feel bad for rooting for my team. Like, I'm. I'm pretty far to that side. I think I think there are more people who are who are just going to be like this. This is this is a bad guy. I don't want this guy on the team. I want them to get rid of him. Well, I mean that's that's extreme on the other side. Rather than being well, I don't like what he did, but he's here and he's a member of the team. I think that's probably the more popular viewpoint. But it's interesting. Uh, not to interrupt you, Aaron. Sorry about that. But no, it's uh, fine. There's um. There's a moment that's sticking out in my head. I don't think I talked about this on the podcast, actually. It was, Chris, you and I were at the game on, uh, was it 4th of July weekend? Against the Cubs, where I ran into you? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that was the series that was yeah. the series they played this year, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was that time I was at City Field. I think it was the next time I was there. It was was Reyes first came back. Because Reyes wasn't back at that point, was he? Um, I can't remember when he joined the team. On Independence Day. Yeah. No, I don't think he was back by then. It was. Yeah, a, no, he was. He was back in the organization, but I think he got called up to the majors. A couple days I'll later, right? But, but yeah, anyway, was, regardless, it was right around that time, and I was at City Field, and Reyes got a big hit, and I heard somebody behind me say, "If he keeps doing that, he can beat his wife all he wants." So and I was stuff. just so sickened by that <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. You know, it's a terrible, terrible thing to say. And, right. uh, but I guess I've, I've been taking that into how I've been considering the familiar situation because I know there are people who feel that way. And that's not the same as what you're saying, Aaron, you know, obviously it's not even close to the same as what you're saying. And I just think that there's, there's a fair amount of people out there who really don't care and I think specifically didn't care about Reyes because they had these positive associations with Reyes from the past. So I, I am I'm really fascinated to see how this how he is received at City Field when he when he comes back. And as sad as sad as this is, there is some truth to to what that hopefully drunk person was saying that <laughs> that yeah fans are our baseball fans they're not moral guardians of the universe they're going to cheer for baseball things and if and if reyes and he did he had a he had a really really good half season at the plate for the mets especially compared to what i thought it 
thought he was going to do. And I was someone who didn't like the acquisition just from a baseball perspective, because I didn't think he was going to hit for the kind of power and, and that he did. And it turned out to be pretty good from a baseball perspective, especially for a team that had the kind of hole at third base that the Mets had last year. But yeah, baseball fans are going to root for baseball things and they don't go to the ballpark to be confronted with moral decisions like, is this good that I'm cheering for him because he's doing good baseball things, but he might be a bad person. They just want to root for baseball things because they're going to the ballpark because they have a day off from work or they got tickets and they want to enjoy themselves or anything. So, so just because someone is cheering for someone who did something bad, obviously doesn't make that fan a bad person. And, um, and, and Chris is, Chris is right. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, Familia's crimes against the Mets fans with his blown save in the postseason is going to do a lot more damage to his reputation than what happened over well his baseball reputation, I should say, than what, than uh, what happened off the field. That's just how it's going to be. Agreed. All right. Well, we touched on this very, very briefly before, but the uh, there's been a lot of talk. Well, a lot is a strong word. There's been some talk about the roster construction for the World Baseball Classic, which coming up this spring. Um, Familia had requested to play winter ball to prepare himself for the uh, classic, but we don't know what his status is going to be for that tournament. Um, we also know that Azdrubal Cabrera has a desire to play for his native Venezuela in the tournament. But we have a little bit of Mets news here where both TJ Rivera and Seth Lugo will be playing for Team Puerto Rico in the tournament. Um, Again, I don't know uh, exactly how many Puerto Rican-born players are in the major leagues or in, you know, various other professional sports leagues that would be eligible to play. But uh, I'm a little bit surprised that both of these guys are, as far as we know, not trying out for the team, but actually playing on the team. I know, Aaron, you expressed something uh, similar to that before we started recording. So um, do you guys think that, uh, I guess just what are your general thoughts on on Lugo and... um, Rivera playing for Team Puerto Rico. Yeah, I was just surprised that Puerto Rico didn't already have better players signed up because these are guys that are on the, or at least they were on the fringe of the Mets roster. Obviously, they both played more important roles than anyone thought they were going to play. So, but, um, but yeah, if that's that's great for them, they could help represent a country that they might not be from that country, but apparently they have ties to that country and that's awesome for them. It, it's probably more fun than just going through another spring training drill. You get to play uh, in a really unique baseball tournament that I wish was more popular because it's a lot of fun and I wish more American players wanted to do it. I, I think I would want to do it if I was a baseball player. I, I, I guys would rather just hang out in spring training and play in these games where they're, I mean, they're exhibition games, they're glorified walkthroughs. Uh, they'd rather do that than play against some of the best players in the world. And while it might not be a big deal in America, we know in 
Japan and some of the other countries, it's a huge deal. So they always ramp up the intensity and and we've seen America have moments in this tournament with David Wright getting that game winning hit. That must have been eight years ago now. But you know, it's unfortunate that more American players don't want to play. So I like to see that at least a couple of the Mets, even if they're not playing for America, they're playing for Puerto Rico and and hopefully they have fun with it. Yes, I mean, you know, you look back and obviously it, it makes sense to maintain Puerto Rico as its own team. Uh, you know, e- even though everybody on the team is an American citizen, uh, if they, whether they were born in Puerto Rico or, or you know, born in one of the 50 states uh, with Puerto Rican heritage. So, you know, you, you look back at the roster and you don't want to say that it should be, you know, just incorporated with the American team uh, for the rest of the country. But, you know, Seth Lugo, compared to some of the pitchers who are on the roster for the 2013 edition, Seth Lugo is probably pretty good. Uh you know, Nelson Figueroa was on the roster last time, and uh, it's nothing against him. But, you know, that that was sort of at the very tail end of his major league career. I don't think he had actually thrown a major league pitch all that recently when he uh, when he made that appearance. Yeah, he his last time in the majors was in 2011, and he played in 2013 – in the WBC. So from, you know, looking at it from that perspective, uh, and obviously we don't have full rosters for any of the teams who are participating yet, but Seth Lugo, 2017 Seth Lugo is a big upgrade, I think, on 2013 Nelson Figueroa. <laughs> to be fair, the bar is is so low, you know, a mouse couldn't limbo under it when you're talking about that. Right, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's... um clearly a, a, a place that has a rich baseball history and you know Carlos Correa is obviously the uh the, the biggest name of the young players in baseball right now who who uh is from there but filling out an entire roster especially in an environment like the WBC where you know looking at it the rosters are a, a little bit bigger than your normal major league roster um which makes sense because you are dealing with quite a few guys who are expecting to make major league teams and you know play the course of that long season so even though it's a relatively brief tournament it makes sense to have more guys around uh but yeah you know it's it's good for these two guys that they are participating um and I think it just might speak a little bit to, you know, where the depth is in terms of players who are eligible to play for the Puerto Rican team. Uh, and, you know, if that improves, then four years from now, if it's still a thing, because we've heard some things that this could be the last time ba- that they do the World Baseball Classic, but, you know, we'll see where it goes. But four years down the road, maybe these two aren't you know, of the caliber of player uh, who would be on the team. So 
I'm going to allow myself a, a brief moment of being the myopic, optimistic Mets fan. This could also mean that the rest of the world views these players better than we do. There you go. <laughs> I don't really believe that, but you know, we can we can pretend that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool if like if Rivera tore it up, uh, or if Seth Lugo threw. You know, uh, starters aren't generally going to pitch like complete games in this tournament, but. If either one of them went out and made a big impact on, uh, you know, a significant game in the tournament, that would be that would be fun to watch, and would probably help their trade value as well. Yeah, yeah, it couldn't hurt. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the I don't know. The more success that most players have over the course of a season, the better. I thought one interesting thing uh, recently uh, when the Mets, Mets did their like community holiday party and Syndergaard was Santa and uh, Jose Reyes and Brendan Nemo were the elves. Uh, they did this awkward kind of clunky Facebook live video. <laughs> did either of you guys see it? You're being very generous. <laughs> I missed it. I'll have to take Brian's word for it. Uh, okay. So, Brian, you saw... Some of it or all of it. I saw some of it, and it was incredibly awkward. Yeah. So the uh, the host was someone who I I hadn't heard of, and I don't remember his name now. But he's asking these questions, and he asks Jose Reyes, like, "Oh, you you know, you won the WBC uh, with the Dominican Republic in 2013. What's more important to you, winning that or what? You know, winning a World Series here next year with the Mets." And there was just this long, awkward silence. And he's like, the, and the host says, like, uh, the correct answer is the, with the Mets. And then, you know, Reyes gave a, a very sports player type answer, you know, like, oh, that was great. And, uh, and winning a World Series would be great. He, you know, he didn't really answer it, but it, it, it sort of uh, made for a very awkward moment in, in a, awkward overall piece of, of 2016 online media. <laughs> I mean, I, that goes to speak, that speaks to how important this tournament is seen overseas. And not only that, how important national identity is to a lot of these players. Whereas I think oftentimes for the American players, they consider themselves professionals first and Americans second. And that doesn't seem to be the case with a lot of these, uh, with a lot of the other teams seemingly giving it their absolute all in the tournament. Yeah. And that's why the Americans don't do that or they haven't done that well in the past tournaments, because even though they have all this, what it looks like superior major league talent, even with a lot of the guys sitting out, they still look like they have the best roster on paper and they still haven't won the thing. So there's something to be said for just having pride and, and really, really caring. Although it is baseball, it is still small sample size baseball. So <laughs> can't say that for sure. But for me, the narrative is that United States just doesn't care as much as Japan and the Dominican Republic. And that's why they lose to those teams. But 
I mean, narrative is always uh, faulty in some way. Do you guys have a team aside from the U.S. team that you would like to see go far just because it would be, uh, you know, whether there's a personal connection there or just it would be funny, perhaps? Like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a mutt when it comes to my uh, heritage, but I'm mainly Italian, and I would love to see Team Italy with its very few Italian-born players playing in it, do well. Just because that's kind of funny to me. But uh, who do, who would you guys like to see go far in the tournament? I'm pulling for Israel because of my Jewish descent. And also, it was I actually watched uh, some of their qualifying run. Oh, where did they play that? that? They played a little round robin. And I think they beat the Pakistan team to get the win mm-hmm. uh, to win the qualification. But yeah, that was fun. And, and there's a connection to that team because I'm about 90% of the roster at least is American. And you have guys like Ike Davis and there were a couple other Mets or former Mets on the team. So, um, so yeah, they were fun to watch and they're going to be, uh, they're going to be scrappy underdogs. So it'll be fun to see how much noise they can make. What about you, Chris? Hmm. There's nothing direct. I, I would say it would, be, it would be fun to see Mexico do well. The problem with that is they're always in the United States team. They're usually in the same bra- or same bracket to start off as the as the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I if the American team is going to lose, then uh, I think that would be entertaining to see. Uh, but yeah, there's nothing, nothing strong, uh, you know. Not, I mean, I've got Italian heritage as well, so you know, on that end, there's that connection. In terms of places I've been, uh, I have not yet been to. Anywhere <laughs> on the list other than Puerto Rico. So, uh, it, you know, it's it's weird going back to that and, and posing it as like a separate thing. So just from a perspective of like the context of America in 2017, it would be funny if Mexico won uh, a tournament that finishes here. <laughs> and then on the personal connection side, uh Absolutely love Puerto Rico when we went there. So that that would be the one uh, where I, you know, at least have some connection and have been to the place. So those are those are my two. If uh, Team United States can't, you know, pull it off. I also, you know, an additional reason to root for the American team is because they're constantly referred to on television as Team America. And I think of the, the film <laughs> yeah, yeah. of the same name and... Uh, you know, I get a little charge out of that each time. So, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm very mature. Uh, so, anyway, let's keep things in the personal realm here. We're at the end of the year, and we wanted to talk a little bit about sort of what the Mets, what the season meant to us, what what memories stuck out for us. So, we're going to talk about one personal recollection of the 2016 season. It doesn't have to be specifically in an in-game moment. It doesn't even have to be a game, a, a moment involving. A game at all could just be some Mets interaction you had this year. But but for you guys, what's 
what's sort of a a, a a shining moment in your 2016 fandom? And if you don't have one ready, I can I can go first if you like. Uh, I'll go. It, it is a game, but um, I guess I would say the runner-up, even though it was a, a game that ended opposite of what we would have liked, was the wild card game because the the atmosphere was so intense and you know it was uh, it was playoff baseball at City Field even though it was short lived and Syndergaard uh, shoved too yeah so yeah that was all great but because of the results I would give a slight edge to uh, I, I made it down to Philadelphia for the game that they clinched the postseason berth so I hadn't been to a game there in far too long. Uh, I think the last game I went to, Pedro Martinez started and got shelled. He started so, for which team? Because he played for both. Oh, for the Mets. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, it, you know, it was good to get back down. I've been to Philadelphia since then, but it was good to get back down and actually go to a game there, uh, and especially in that context of the Phillies being absolutely terrible, and you know the Mets on the verge of making it official that they would be back in the postseason. So. You know, just uh, just did a day trip, but made it down there. There was no traffic. Got a cheesesteak before we went to the park. I know the uh, place in the park is supposed to be a really good one, but it's not what we did. Uh, but made it down to the park, did a whole, you know, walked the lap around the whole field level there, which is something that uh, it, it has in common with City Field. Uh, you know, just kind of soaked it all in and because when you leave New York or Boston and go to a you know a baseball park uh you can spend not that much money and get really good seats so <laughs> had a really nice prime view for James Loney's big home run uh, <laughs> a moment you'll like, treasure forever <laughs> yes yeah and and you know he will be less of a forgotten met for me you know 10 years from now when when there's a podcast segment about uh forgotten mets I might remember him a little bit more because of that, but, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was it for me. Um, you know, the, I think there was probably not enough excitement at certain points of the season, given where they were in the playoff hunt, but that was the, uh, that was the end of the hunt. So, so that, that, that's my entry. That's yeah. Do you have one? That game must have been awesome to be at. I love Citizens Bank Park. I love when the Phillies are bad and it's full of Mets fans. So that must have been sweet. It must have been like was it about fifty fifty? Was it that close? Uh no, but that only because it was a significant amount of Mets fans. But yeah, uh, it, it was Ryan Howard's final weekend. Oh okay, so they sold some tickets. Yeah, so it, it was. Uh, you know, the Phillies briefly did some good things in in that game. And I actually thought up until that point, hmm, maybe there's a majority of Mets fans here. But then when, when something good happened, I think Howard hit a home run that day, actually. I think he did, yeah. So when that happened, it was like, oh, whoa, nope, not even close. But it was uh, it was still a significant segment of Mets fans. Yeah, those, those are always fun. I, I've been to too many games where the – back when the Phillies were good – I probably went like once a year just because because my my because uh, my friend would have a has a he 
Yeah, my friend would have a ticket package there. He's he's from just outside Philly, so we'd go, and I'd be one of the only Mets fans. But I have to go back now that at least all well, soon because the Phillies are gonna be good again soon, and I need to go back while the Mets still have their run of the place. But the only game I was able to get out to this year was the game before the All Star break. And Jose Reyes hit two home runs, but the Mets still lost 3-2 to Washington. So that's not my favorite moment. My favorite moment was when they came out of absolutely nowhere at it was the end of June, early in the first weekend in July. And they came out of nowhere and they swept the Cubs after losing four in a row. They, they had just been swept by Washington and... Mets are down in the dumps. They're only three games over 500, and they they look like they're playing their worst ball of the season. And then the, the Cubs come in. They just beat them four straight, and it set the tone because they that wasn't even their high point. They would drop lower again and actually get back to 500 later. But it did set the tone for a season where they were up, they were down, anything was possible. They looked like they were completely doomed in August before – rising from what seemed like rock bottom to make that run. So in, in a lot of ways, this playoff run was more improbable than the one in 2015 because in, 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 in 2015, they, they started their run seemed right after the trade deadline and they got Cespedes, they swept the nationals this season in the middle of August up to August 20th, it seemed like there's no way this team's done. And so they didn't get started until later, but fortunately they didn't need to clear that divisional bar and they, they really didn't, they only needed to win so many games, but that, that sweep against the Cubs at at city field, where it just seemed like no way they're going to win more than one game in this series going in was, was just a reminder of how unpredictable baseball is. And it's another reminder of how you can never quit on these Mets when they have, they still have the talent it takes in the pitching staff and they have Juana Cespedes and he's going to be back and he can still get it done. So I just loved that random sweep of the Cubs, even though in the narrative of the season, it turned out not to be much because they would, sink back to 500 after that but at that point in the season it was like wow no matter how low it gets this postseason thing is still possible yeah i was at i believe it was the sunday game uh for that series with friends of mine who are gigantic cubs fans and they brought their kids and the their son was taunting me in the first inning as the cubs went up and he was like, you know, the Mets stink, blah, blah, blah. And then it took all of my strength the whole game after the Mets exploded for double-digit runs to not do that to that little kid the whole time. But, you know, I'm a better man than that. So <laughs> I didn't awesome. I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> so, so my moment actually came after the season ended. Uh, one of my great joys of, of fatherhood is indoctrinating my daughter to be a Mets fan. And she, she's four. And she really, really loves the Mets. And she overheard one day after work, I was telling my wife that the that Bartolo Colon had signed with the uh, with the Braves. And she overheard this, and she got tears in her eyes. And she said, "What will they do without Big Sexy?" 
And I've never been more proud as a parent than I was in that moment because she understood that it was a big deal. She remembered his nickname was Big Sexy. And it was, it was, it was a very nice moment between father and daughter. I held her tight and said I was proud of her. And, you know, it was fun. So, yeah. Aside from that moment, though, I, I think just, um, you know, I'm uh, – I'm 34 years old. I've seen a lot of really bad Mets teams, and I've seen you know my fair share of good Mets teams too. But aside from 2015, when they're just when the Cespedes trade seemed to be so inevitably bringing them to the postseason, as Aaron said earlier, I'm just used to Mets teams fucking it up at the end of the year. You know, between 07 and 08, even going back to 2001. You know, I'm just used to Mets teams falling apart in the second half and seeing this team, you know, improbably get to the postseason without Wright, without Duda, without Harvey, without Wheeler, without Walker, while missing you know considerable time from a lot of their key players, just to see them just m- make a run at it and not and not look out of place in that playoff game. That was my one big fear with the wild card game, which is that the house of cards they had built was going to all fall apart and the Giants were going to make them look silly. And that did not happen. You know, Thor looked unbelievable that game. And it came down to a couple of bad pitches by Familia. You know, yes, the Mets should have scored more runs and all that. I'm, I'm not I'm not putting it all on Familia's shoulders. But, you know, just, just seeing the team um, not be the Mets of the last 15 or so years at the end of the season and really turn it on and get to the playoffs was it was a pretty great moment. Um, yeah. And we, we have to talk the, about the Bartolo Colon home run too. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, that goes without saying. Who got to be there for that. Uh, really? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That that's, if it were me, that would definitely have been the highlight of the season. Yeah. Witnessing yeah. that in person. Witnessing oh, it from my couch really was good enough. I was at the refrigerator getting a beer. <laughs> and I heard Gary Cohen's call from the other room. And I had to run back in and rewind the game to see it. Yeah. So. It was one yeah. of those moments. And, you know, I I think uh, as you mature as a sports fan, sometimes, you know, you, you've seen a lot before or, you, you know, you, the bar for – high points just keeps going up a little bit with time uh but that was one of those moments that was you know got off the couch both hands up in the air oh like <laughs> you know like ready to run around the apartment just, i called uh, my brother <laughs> i was yeah. like you won't believe what just happened yeah. yeah i can't remember if i got a phone call but i certainly got like a whole you know slew of text messages um yeah, no, that that is probably like the universal highlight of the season. Gary Cohen completely lost his mind. It was so yeah. <laughs> unbelievable to call that. Or even calling it one of the <laughs> did he call it one of the great moments was of baseball? baseball history? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was it was it was something. It was something else. <laughs> and and there were a decent amount of Mets fans there. I think someone had the giant novelty bar, uh, Bartolo head. Which is uh, it was just great. It was it was an unbelievable right. moment. Yeah, the seven line was out there for that game. It, it was a seven line event. Okay, 
Yeah. yeah. That's, okay. That, yeah, that was yeah perfect timing. And I it, mean, it, obviously, at home, you'd rather have it at home, but <laughs> right. My, as long, yeah, you know, at least at least you had some contingent of Mets fans out there to appreciate that and and give them a give them a big cheer. It was so amazing to watch the dugout because the players are just losing their shit, right? They're so happy, but then they realize they have to clear out. <laughs> and seeing that shift of like, "Woo! Oh man, we gotta go!" <laughs> you know, was, was a really cool moment too. So yeah, yeah, that's a great moment. Uh, to wrap up here, this is our last show of 2016. We're gonna each make a, a Mets resolution for for 2017, and um, I guess I'll go first for this one. I um. I only made it out to four games this year, and you know, while I I live you know about you know uh, forty miles into New Jersey from from New York City, and while I have two small kids, that's not enough games. I should be getting to at least one game a month, because you know I, I have the ability to do that, and my family is going to games. There's no reason for me not to be getting out to the ballpark more, and uh, you know, as we talked about before. The atmosphere at City Field for the first, you know, five or five and a half years of its existence was just so stilted and so, yeah, it was a great place to watch a game. But it was, you know, I, I have friends that are Yankee fans that would go to City Field because they like the beer there. They weren't going for the baseball, they were going for the amenities. And now that has completely shifted and great baseball is being played there regularly. And the atmosphere in City Field has been so great that I need to get out to more games next year. So that's my personal resolution to get out to more games and also to get to a game in Philly this year. Every year I say, oh, I should go get back down to Philly for a game. I haven't been to a Phillies game since they played at the Vet. So, oh, wow. I, I, oh, Citizens Bank Park is great. You I've heard it's go. great. Yeah, see, I, I, yeah. I went to college in Pittsburgh, so I, I've seen a ton of games in PNC Park. I've been to a lot of the, the stadiums, you know, in driving distance, but I haven't done the bank yet. So this year I have to do that. Yeah, my uh, my probably all time Mets fan claim to fame was being at the vet when the Mets won the damn thing. When was that? The uh, oh man, the the famous Bob Murphy call. It was uh, what it, it was it. 89 90 Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, it was uh hold on. I'm I'm now I have to go back and be precise. Uh yeah, 1990. Uh-huh. And the Mets win the damn thing. Yes. Oh, I yeah, I've heard of this. I heard of that call before. Or he was so he was he was so <laughs> frustrated, right? Then they yeah. they almost they had a big lead, they almost blew it. Yes. Yeah, hey, I've heard, I've heard for that the record, story. I am not the oldest person on this podcast. <laughs> no, I am. That's probably <laughs> the first season I remember is nineteen ninety three. So I've heard that story of the nineteen ninety game, but I cannot say I remember remember uh, watching it or experiencing it. But that's that's really funny. So yeah, sorry to sidetrack with more Philly talk. That's right. But, uh, no, it's uh, Mets. Mets have a big history in uh, Philly. Yeah. So Aaron, would you uh, would you like to go next or? Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say I want to go to more games, but sorry. Um, I you know want to go to more games. I don't think I was. Oh well, yeah, I wasn't at a game in Philly, so I could also do that. 
Um, I could be more optimistic about the team. That would help. Chris has no problem with that. No. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I'm uh, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm too objective. I don't, I try to be objective and then I try them too objective. And then I, you know, just need to let the fan out more and just be like, it doesn't matter. We're going to get it. Doesn't matter if they're two games under 500, they're going to make the playoffs. Cause that's what ended up happening. So Maybe it'll finally rub off. In the last few years, have been so magical with two straight postseason appearances. When uh, when this you know we wait long enough for one postseason appearance, so two postseason appearances, them coming from behind to make to make the postseason twice in a row. So this is so. No matter how bad things get in 2017, it's not over until it's over. That's what that's the mindset I'm going to take. Yeah, I like that. I I would say I would definitely echo some of that sentiment where, you know, my two other sports that I follow closely are football and hockey. And I have different levels of like how how closely I follow them on a year round basis. But there's something different about knowing a whole lot less about a, a sport or a game or a team. Oh that, yeah, definitely. That allows you to be a little bit freer uh, in in having like that fan experience. So that that's like an ongoing goal for me with the Mets is not to give up being like way too into it. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. it's funny you say that. I but, was recently I spent some time with with uh, a young lady who is a, a student here for a year from Tanzania. And she had never seen a baseball game before. And we were talking about baseball. And she couldn't get over the fact that there's no clock in the game. So she was like, so they can win every game, literally. If they were down by 10 runs, they they could win every game. Like, yeah, they could. Like, they can just keep batting. And she was like, why would you ever think your team's going to lose them? They always have a shot. <laughs> and it's like, that's so far in from the way I think about baseball. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that. But I will, so, <clears throat> although I echo that sentiment i will uh i will say i'm gonna go all in on hansel robles in 2017 <laughs> yeah i like i like high strikeout pitchers he has certainly had his ups and downs in, in his time in a major league uniform but dude's just shy of 10 strikeouts per nine uh you know if you round baseball reference probably listed as 10.0 uh it's 9.98 <clears throat> on fan graphs you know, that is a kind of guy that I fully support. And I have, uh, you know, I have a thing for relief pitchers. Uh, so that that's mine. I'm, I'm going all in. I'm going to say sub three ERA, you know, maintaining the high strikeouts. Just a good, solid relief pitcher. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think the Mets should do things in their bullpen just in case that doesn't happen. <laughs> but uh but yeah. It, Robles it, it's my uh it's my Hansel Robles here. And he wears number 47, right? That sounds right. Well, let's just make sure. Let's <laughs> get look it up. I mean, not that it's the year for yeah, it is 47. So, not that that's the year, but it ends at a 7. The year ends at a 7. So I it might the resolution is to be uh the biggest Hansel Robles fan there is. Well, so Chris, you had you had tweeted 
uh, over the summer that if the Mets re-signed Yolanda Cespedes, you would buy four Cespedes jerseys. Will you say that if Robles has an under as a sub three ERA, you'll buy one Robles jersey? Uh <laughs> gotta customize it though. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah, with that that aspect isn't the end of the world. Uh but if I do follow through on the Cespedes thing, uh you know, just sort of waiting out when they <laughs> put a, a significant sale on them. Because it does happen typically every winter. Uh um, right. So yeah, no, I, I I won't make I will not make the pledge for a jersey, but uh jersey, absolutely. Okay. That's fair. If he goes sub three ERA, I will have a Robles shirt to uh to wear with me to my first Mets game of twenty eighteen. Okay. Can't wait. I'm gonna hold you to that. Yeah, that one's an easy one. <laughs> As regular listeners know, uh, you know, I'm I'm in a little bit of a Cespedes payment plan at the moment. <laughs> well, if you recall from, from our emergency <laughs> Cespedes podcast, we did say that you could just buy one for yourself, one for myself, yes. one for Greg Carr, and one for uh, Steve Shriver. So, yeah. you know, you do have options here. That is true. And, you know, one of the things is that if I stick to, you know, authentic, which if you're going to buy a jersey... You might as well. Right. But the current crop with like the non-patterned tail on all of them looks so awkward, you know, in some of the off season promotional stuff uh, or community stuff, the Mets have had their players doing, you, you saw it, you saw it like Syndergaard and Harvey. And um, there's one other, I'm forgetting uh, Nimmo again, like taking some kids out to do holiday shopping at a, uh, at target. And they're walking around, and those guys can like kind of pull it off because it's actually their jersey, right? You know, but when the pinstripes end at like the at where your belt is, and then there's just like this white semicircle of fabric hanging below it, it's it's a very awkward look. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a combination of of cost and you know just awkwardness, or I don't know. Maybe the answer is if you get one, you just you, you tuck it in, yeah, tuck it into your shorts. Get a get a some pinstripe pants and just <laughs> at that at point, that you're point like, you might as well just get the head for Mr. Matt. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> or you're like full on cosplaying as as the player that you're wearing the jersey of. So, well, if they keep giving out hair hats, that's true. You know, Cindergard hair hat is coming out this year, so you have the Cindergard and the Degrom now. Yeah, the embarrassing thing is that the Degrom hair hat does not fit on my head. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you're in good company, Chris. There was not a hat in the Air Force to fit my father or my uncle. Nice. And my son, who is 10 months old, already is wearing a 24-month-old hat. So <laughs> big heads run in my family, so I understand. Well, folks, that does it. I guess it's a weird, that's a weird note to end on, but let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, thanks for listening this past year of podcasts. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can find the three of us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Brian is an app. Where are you guys? At Chris McShane. At APY five thousand. But I'm thinking I have to change. I have to change to something better soon. But we'll get in. I... Get in on that before Aaron changes it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Follow him now before he changes it. Yeah. yeah. 
And, uh, of course, go to AmazingAvenue.com. Check out all the great Mets coverage that's there. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show in iTunes, in Stitcher, or in your podcatcher of choice. You can download it directly from blogtalkradio.com. And you can always email us, podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. So uh, thanks for a great 2016. Here's to 2017 being uh, even better. So until next time, let's go Mets. (laughs) 